Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. Today we're talking about Wheel of Time, Season 1, Episode 1, Leave Taking. And he's back, he's James, he's the Marshland Monster. Ahoy there, James, welcome back. Ahoy to you as well, and Merry Beltine to all! (laughs) Tis the season for Beltine. Is there a Santa alternative in Wheel of Time? Oh, there is not. Man, that'd be... There isn't. I think they just they just uh, threaten kids with Trollocs are going to show up if they're bad or something like that. Okay, so there's a Krampus, <laughs> just no Santa. That looked like a whole big, whole like crew of Krampuses, as a matter of fact, now, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just give them give them a little more hair, give them a little chin strap, and then be... Oh, my what? God. I would love to shave a trollop. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know into what. Maybe make him look like a poodle oh. so I can really, like, punch him good. Because yeah. poodles suck. Uh, d- don't punch a poodle, but, like, in your mind, be like, ugh, I wish I could. I'll take a poodle any day over any of these trollops. I didn't like, I didn't like a one no. of them. I'm sorry to say. I wouldn't want to shave them. I wouldn't want to groom them. I wouldn't want to hang out with them. I'm sorry. Oh, I'd pick little fleas off from them and say, does that make you feel better? And they'd go. (laughs) We didn't have to worry about these trollops on 1899 on that ship. I'm still bummed. I got to bring it up again at the very beginning that we need to get 1899 back. We need to do our hashtags. Save 1899. Hashtag 1899 Netflix. What is lost, comma, will be found. All you got to do is just tweet. Any kind of tweet you want and just put those hashtags in there. Go to Instagram and do the same and be very nice about it. I hate when people are jerks and like they try to, I don't know, hate on Netflix and that's not going to get you anywhere. Love will get you everywhere. Right, James? I'll say, hey, about 1899, hashtag save the tick. Meaning what? I mean, bring the tick back. There was a huge campaign to bring the tick back when that was That's true. I was part of that as well. I took took part of that. Uh I I was a tick reader. Man, the tick was so good, that show. Ooh, chef kiss. Speaking of Amazon properties. You're right, uh, but I don't know. Animation has, like, fallen out of favor for me lately. I... I used to Wait, love I used to no. love the tick. I used to love Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, but I I'm just out of animation these days. Uh, no, yes. Steven, the tick, the the live action. Oh, one. I was talking about way back when the cartoon. I forgot about the live I forgot that even existed. Who was that? Diedrich Bader doing it, that? I know a few years ago. <laughs> That uh, Griffin Griffin Newman Newman was Griffin Newman was Alfred. That's right. I never even gave it a fair shot. Oh, dude, it's so good because the cinematographer from all the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I believe, directs it. So it looks lush and amazing. And then the ticks just bumbling around. It's 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 fantastic. That's an Amazon property, you say. So I got this. Yeah. All right. Well, great. I got another (laughs) another childish thing to watch now. I'm going to watch Steins Gate and I'm going to watch The Tick. Oh, yeah. Speaking of time travel stuff, Nicole was told by someone who frequents the place she works because Nicole's like, I guess I got to watch 1899 because someone told me to watch Mm -hmm. it at work. And I said, you don't know. We you were around me. It's not fun. (laughs) Let her make that judgment call herself. I think she'll I think she'll dig it. I dug it a lot. And I I just gather from listening to your podcast with Nicole 
that Nicole and I share like a more more of a taste of TV and movies than like you or I do. So probably we do discuss this exact subject on this week's Mostly Speaking Sentai as of recording. Like we just got done recording that and we were discussing how the boys, she started watching that. I was like, oh, I, I wanted to watch that. And she's like, you never told me that. And also, you would not like this show. And I'll go, okay. Because <laughs> I thought The Boys was like a goof around with murder. Okay. Like, oh, we're we're funnily, accidentally murdering people. I thought it was a parody on superhero stuff opposed to a satire on, what's it called, capitalism and how the world works. And I'm like, well, I, I, I've already seen that in comic book form. On martial law. Martial law, ooh, baby, it's so good. Read that instead of watching The Boys. Okay. I've, I've never seen The Boys, haven't really had any kind of inkling or any reason to watch it. It uh, doesn't look like it's interesting to me. Because I, th- I thought the same thing you did. I thought it was just a, a, a goof up of superheroes and these guys are more realistic superheroes. I guess not. You're shaking your head. No, I was thinking it was the tick, but like rated a hard (laughs) R, but no, it's like, it's disgusting. It's showing, it's pretty much like, what if egomaniac kind of like Trumpers were superheroes, like that seems, or like the far right were like, oh, we love capitalism and all this bullshit. It's not a show for me and nicole made the right call and saying james you won't like this i wish you would have said that for avatar (laughs) i'm sorry about that one but i'm glad that we reach a consensus on this show wheel of time Mm -hmm. because i was uh you know about a year ago i was like what should i make a podcast about metal music you were like nah no interest there maybe like you know marijuana based nah don't want that wheel of time maybe you're like yeah that sounds cool so here we are that's great as we remember, I did think it was a sci-fi time travel show. <laughs> there is some sci-fi elements, and there is um, no time travel, but even so, we uh, we go back and forth in time, just like every TV show does in the world. It goes back in time! <laughs> so this show came out, this show, this episode was released in November of 2021, and it was met with some... Um, divisive criticism yes they are in a segment i just i was like what should i call this we are calling this the squeals of swine (laughs) listen to him squeal yeah oh i'm excited so these are all pulled from imdb specific i'm going to just be pulling them from the individual episode so this is all for episode one great very good and i i I have a few like uh, are you cool with me reading quite a bit absolutely i'd like to hear like at least three or four of these if you have them okay well um, i have a little bit more than that all right (laughs) this is from zarfalicious the title is this is not the wheel of time i don't know anyone that reads the books can relate this that can rate this higher than a one-star rating unless they're being paid to so i have hey no longer in the review steve yes how come i ain't seeing a cut (laughs) 
Because <laughs> we are not getting paid a dime for anything yeah. we do, James. <laughs> okay, back to the review. <laughs> and even if you haven't read the books, it's really not that good. Aww. So many needles changes to characters, that yeah, including the typos, <laughs> that don't need to be changed and have no apparent reason for being changed. Robert Jordan is probably rolling Rolling in his grave grave. at how they massacred his (laughs) baby. (laughs) This is the most generic review I've ever heard in my life. I think because I've read this review about 20 times from different people. Yeah. Saying the exact same thing, though. There's exact same points. Robert Jordan rolls in his grave. They massacred my boy. This show is nothing like the book. Um, you cannot rate it more than a one unless you're getting paid. These are like reoccurring themes. Did you find you, you said you have a lot of these, right? Yeah, the, I, the, I I tried not to take things that are just saying the same thing. So excellent. Let's get on to J.S.H.N. Title of the review. Not good. Where do I start? You know why you you know why you are here, viewer? So do I. You didn't come all the down here to sing praise <laughs> to the show, but to murder it. And rightfully so. It deserves it. It's painful to watch. It's slow. The characters are dull and boring and probably hiring within an hour sifting through somebody's high school for ultra diverse faces. (laughs) The fight scene was meh. Why did they shaky cam spell casting? First time I saw this, they shaky cam a fight that's 99% CGI. Wow. Plot, there isn't any. They start by saying something, but never really established anything. Not to mention, it felt or it felt like the director was someone who was trying really hard to ape other better shows from better novel. I won't name which one. You already know which one. There wasn't good by any mean. I I mean, I I almost agree with the the shaky cam point that the person made. Almost. Almost. Almost no. agree with that because it's like the only like I think that's the only valid criticism I hear because it's did you hear any valid criticism in there? Uh, no. Uh, so people in other places criticize the CGI and I'm like, why are people criticizing this? And Nicole said, OK, James, th- this is why everyone doesn't have a bar set at sharknado or the killing tree or a plethora of trauma movies that nicole and i have like that's our that's the holy shit that's as far into the depth of the world that we've seen cgi be so terrible people are used to avatar spray of water things of that nature so i nicole was like oh when they get bisected, probably the only in quotes bad CGI. But I'm like, that's magic. That could be how magic bisects a trollop. We don't know. And the shaky cam thing is only during the fight scene mm-hmm. and only when we are running with other characters. 
in trying to scope out like what the heck is happening right now. I think the shaky cam was just and I think the CGI is perfect. I don't disagree with them necessarily about the shaky cam. I just think that that was or I don't agree with them, but I just I think that was the only point in the whole criticism that you read that I could like understand where they were coming from with it because that was something that I saw as well and noticed but uh, you know uh, you know how I feel but about the show I like it I like it a lot Mm -hmm. and I can't see how it deserves such harsh treatment at best it's just an average show yeah at best I mean at worst I suppose Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know what else you got okay This is from Finn Schneider saying, there is no end, but there should be one end. (laughs) Maybe that's a reference to the Wheel of Time. It is, because at the beginning of every book they talk about, you know, the Wheel of Time, how there is no beginnings and there's no endings. Okay. I now get that after rewatching the first episode, but in this I was like, this was a bad sentence you wrote, sir. (laughs) Was that all he said in his review? No, he says, honestly, if you read this, stop now, as there is only pain if you watch this show and expecting a great fantasy experience based on the work of Robert Jordan. All world building from Jordan is dismissed. Ellipses, because I took out like a bunch of just nonsense, they said. (laughs) So what is left? I don't know, an empty shell of a show that tries to be more than it is. The political agenda is dripping out of every frame, and you can 100% tell what the priorities have been. I'm guessing they meant were, they put while. (laughs) The priorities have been were casting, writing, and directing. At no point you get the feeling you experience a decent fantasy world where you get lost in. That's the end of the rule, the the review. Hmm. This is what I have to say to them. Imagine producing a TV show, Stephen, and Mr. Finn Schneider, and someone's complaint is that your priority was the casting, writing, and directing. Like, that's all good. That's perfect. That was what you prioritized, but not the world building? And this is after one episode as well, right? Yes, I have no idea what they're talking about. And other, I'll get more. I'll get more into the the political agenda. It's so stupid, but let me keep reading some. Yes. I think I have four short ones left. Oh, was that um? That was the end of that guy's review, there, right? Yeah, that was Finn Schneider. Before you get to your next one, I, I want to go back again to the uh, the second guy, the Shaky Cam, Mister Shaky Cam. Yeah. Um, he made reference to Game of Thrones and how this uh-huh. show is trying to be Game of Thrones. I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination to say that this show owes a lot to Game of Thrones to Game of Thrones being a successful fantasy show. Because yeah. if it was not, this show would never have even been in the making for being made because it's too complex of a plot and it would take too many seasons. They looked at Game of Thrones and said, well, it's possible. So let's do it with this great story. This is what I have to say about people complaining about Game of Thrones influencing this show. Before Game of Thrones, you want to know what we got? 
That pilot of this property that was so (laughs) stupid. That's what fantasy shows used to be. They used to be Monster of the Week, low budget, no budget, just shovelware that if you were into fantasy, you enjoyed, and that is it. No one else was going to get into that stuff. Yeah, and a, a lot of these people hated this show. They go back and they look at that original pilot that that you and I watched. I think back on episode fifteen of this episode of this show, and they say that that version was better than what we got here, which is insane to even compare the two by any stretch. Yeah, I will say, remember, I loved it, but not because it was good, but because yeah. of how trashy it was. Exactly, yes. Which, I guess if you grew up with things like Hercules, Xena, uh, even though like people, like that is a, in quotes, good show. Uh, if you grew up with the trashy stuff, and then you see the trashy stuff, you're like, well, I want trashy stuff, not <laughs> this Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, let's get at least one more uh, one more negative review from you. What you got? Okay, let me. Uh, one person just said, "Tired of woke garbage." Uh, it's uh, there is an abundance of diversity in the books, and like, how is this woke? What the like? I I don't under like people are just using that as a like trigger word yes. these days, and it sucks. Like people saying that about X Men, mm-hmm. it's like it's always been political it just shut up okay but forget that person i don't even want to read their name because it is just a bunch of letters let's go on to the last two this is from perry apt saying not fun at all it wasn't good at all just another boring series i watched it 1.3 times speed and still the pace was awful but more importantly, it contained, in quotes, modern sexism. I found this series really offensive. They're insulting men and calling it feminism. That's the point. That is the ding-dang point. They're showing how men treat women, but showing it as women treating men like that. And guess what? It's bad. Are you that Stupid! This isn't in quotes modern sexism or calling it feminism. It's just showing things in a different light so your pea brain can be like, oh, that's happening to me? I guess I can feel empathy now. Shut up! They are getting you worked up too, man. I'm glad you did these first because this is really getting you in a a frenzy over here. Yeah, it's like it's showing that Absolute power corrupts absolutely, regardless. And then, like, oh, you can't empathize, you piece of crap. Okay, finally, this is too many care or too fast, too many changes by by Neil Roundabush or, or Rodabush. I don't. I'm not sure. Okay. The writers had the easier job in the world. Read the book, follow the book, convey the book to the screen. Easy, yet they decide to base the book off spark notes. I could complain more, but I would be putting more effort than the writers did. That's the end of the review, and this is what I have to say. The writers, possessive 
may have had the easier job in the world, but I had the harder job in the world <laughs> curating these asinine reviews. And that wasn't even a really a review either. That was... I don't even know what that what that guy was. Who knows? What was what was the beginning part of that again? Give me give me the first sentence one more time. Uh, the writers had the easier job in the world. That's why I. Uh, they meant to say I hope easiest job in the world. So this person thinks that you take a page of a book and that's like one frame of a, of a film, and then you take the second page of the book and there's your second frame of the film. Is that how screenwriting works? No, it's not. The only way you could say like, hey, you could just do this is technically for comic books because comic books are storyboarded. They could have taken the Wheel of Time comic books and just did the TV show like that. Right, buddy? Right, my little friend who doesn't like writers? Okay, you want to know what? If he had said that specifically, I would have said, eh, there's some weight to that. Yeah, maybe. But for something that like you, it's, you can't do that because guess what? The it's narration. You are reading not just dialogue. It, it you, it's if all books were purely scene direction, people <laughs> talking, and how they are talking in action, then you could just go one to one. But there's so many details. It's explain. Also, like I'm guessing, Wheel of Time jumps in timelines a little bit um it does in the later books sure it i I, mean the first three books are very linear i gotta say okay Uh, but the first three don't start with uh meringue trying to find the dragon does it Mm, yes Oh, okay. Because that that was a big criticism of people saying the this the stuff that happens in here didn't even happen in the first chapters of the first book. Well, okay, that's true. The first book really focused on the two rivers people, and it really focused on Rand a lot. And this book focuses—I mean, this show—the first episode focuses on like the Aes Sedai's uh, perspective, and it introduces them in a way that they weren't really introduced until about like the middle of the series, because the Aes Sedai were very like—I uh, don't know—there wasn't much known about them in the earlier books because nothing much was written about them. So that is kind of true, but. In this adaption of the show, they're focusing on Moraine, who's an Aes Sedai, so they want to bring more Aes Sedais in from the very beginning. And Rand is there, and those first the first book happenings are all right there as well. Uh, yeah, people don't understand that if you you can't have one if you have eight episodes and you want to follow it by the book. <laughs> I'm guessing seven episodes would just be a slice of life meandering in yep. a village. Yep. And then the catalyst happens. <laughs> <Yep>. No, <laughs> if you want like the, you want something to be set in motion. So the audience is engaged from episode one opposed to just like throwing them for a loop if you're just like hey this is like hey we're hanging out whatever and then all of a sudden you're like whoa some people's there's big ogres being bisected (laughs) that would be such a shift in tone that's true yep why don't we shift our tone a little bit are we ready to move on to our uh to our recap scene by scene 
Yeah, because I, I don't I don't have a lot of notes since we, you know, already I was like, I'm pretty sure I wrote a note about this same exact thing uh, on our first episode. So I wrote down new stuff. Right on. Well, let's get to it. I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. Catastrophic, that the monster effects in this genre of death. I'm beyond the apex. I'm made of logic, spitting gothical text. It's a probable bad, never possible threat. I'm stealing my seal with a fat man blast. You're concealing your squeals with a black mask pass. Revealing I'm real to your class at last. I smash in the dash because I clap back fast. And we're back. That was Catastrophic by Marshland Monster, the newest remix just put out maybe just a couple days ago, maybe about a week ago. Maybe a metal sign. He loves it. Hey, Marshland Monster, that was you I was playing. What's up? Heck yeah. So we watched Wheel of Time episode one again, and I'm going scene by scene. Uh, Are you ready to start or do you have anything you wanted to go into before we do this? Uh, This dragon guy, all we know is that this child is coming of age. (laughs) Okay, yeah, okay, I'll go into that. So the first scene, we have Moraine, and she's kind of explaining some things to us as she's getting ready for battle. She's getting all her knives ready, and she and her man, Lan, are going out in the battlefield looking for the dragon. Now, I guess I'll just explain this in in my own words. Who Moraine is looking for is the dragon reborn, because... Thousands upon thousands of years ago, the dragon, who was a good guy, we got to remember the dragon was a good guy. GG. Um, he was battling the Dark One. He was going without the help of the Aes Sedai and the women. He was pretty much, you know, doing his own thing. Lose raw Theron. dogging it. He was raw dogging it, buddy. And he and a hundred of his closest buds, the companions, um, in all good, fa- in all fairness, they were trying to do the right thing. They were on the side of good. They imprisoned the Dark One into a prison because he's immortal. They couldn't actually kill him, so they imprisoned him tightly. But in the process of doing so, as superheroes are wont to do, he completely destroyed the world and completely destroyed the magic system that was in place. The magic system, you know, there was like the Sedan, which the men drew source from, and the Sedar, where the women drew source from. And the Sedan became completely corrupt during that battle. So even though the dragon was a good guy, he was kind of reckless and crazy, and he did a lot of damage. So Moraine here is in search of the dragon reborn because she has seen a foretelling of the dragon coming from a milky eyed lady (laughs) from a milky eyed lady. That is actually that. Yeah. Did she mention that in this episode? Yeah. Okay, great. So yeah, she is out there looking for the dragon so that she and the other Aes Sedai can help the dragon and train the dragon. So the dragon doesn't go all wild card this time around. Are you saying this is DreamWorks, How to Train a Dragon? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> how to Train the Dragon. They want to train the dragon. They want to take him to the White Tower and make him be a good guy. That's why we're going to get to this next scene. Um, these red Aes Sedai are out there. They're not hunting for the dragon. They're just looking for men who can channel. Okay. So they come upon that guy who like sees like his twin who's not actually there. And they still the guy. They suck the magic out of him by a process called stilling, which is like the worst thing you could possibly do in Moraine's eyes because Moraine's out there looking for the dragon 
And she's thinking that that guy down there, you know, kind of suspicious. She's especially Lan. Lan was like, yeah, that guy is the right age. That could be the dragon. Think that was Mm -hmm. him? She's like, nope, it wasn't him. Good thing, too, because if it was, the dragon's helpless now. They sucked his magic out of him. So, like, basically what these red Aes Sedai are doing is, like, illegal. Like, they they can't be Judge Judy and Executioner. Like, they can only... They should, they should be capturing these men who can channel and taking them to the White Tower, not sucking the magic out of them. I removed one of my ribs so I could self-still. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Stilling guys is bad, James. You don't do these kind of things to yourself. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this main Aes Sedai here in this group of reds is Leandrin, and she's the... The super cool, super crappy one that that I love a lot. The really angular face, blonde haired one. She You're shaking sucks. your head no, but she's like she's like Nellie Olson to me. I just love this woman. Uh, but yeah, that's my whole point is that they absolutely should not. This is against all protocol, but they're going around doing it anyway. So why Moraine is allowing this, I'm not exactly sure. But she is kind of, uh, they're, they're all after the same goal. She's trying to find a guy who can channel or a girl who can channel and help them out. And these women are just looking for guys who can channel. So they're kind of after the same goal in a different way. You well, know what I'm saying? Steve, I don't know why they're trying to find a woman because as the books establish, the dragon <laughs> can only be a man. Only men can be them guys. That's right. Well, that we, was a lot of reviews. Yeah, we we change things up a little bit in the TV show, and I welcome changes. I don't mind yeah. changes one bit, especially because if I know the story backwards and forwards, I welcome a slight change like that. And especially because this is like a uh, like a mystery kind of thing. Like they're yeah. they're trying to bring on that that mystique. I like that. Because then we just have five dudes hanging out with meringue and Lan. Ugh. Uh. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to go on from that scene. We know that guy is not him. That He didn't look 20 either, did he? That dude looked way older than 20. He was dirty and had a beard, you know? But he had those wrinkles in his face and stuff. And, like, I don't know. He looked like a 35-year-old dude to me. When you're going mad from the magic, <laughs> that could happen. All right, all right. Point taken. All right, next scene here is uh, nothing short of bullying. We... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're get, we're seeing a, uh, a hazing scene here. Uh, that's it's almost what it is, in my opinion. Uh, the women's circle here. Nynaeve is giving a welcoming speech to Egwene. They're welcoming her into the women's circle. But first, she has to be hazed, I suppose is what you would call it, be bullied. And um, that's not bu- like a welcoming <laughs> speech and then just saying like, hey, so it's not technically hazing. It is saying this will help you realize that even in chaos, you can be calm. You saw the river, right? You saw like those those trepidatious uh, rapids that she was going down, right? Yeah. And so, all she has to do is be calm within the chaos and the river will guide her. Just like magic will guide her through the chaos. Uh, yeah, you're right. But I was just looking at all these women that like were part of the women's circle already. And I was like, well, okay, they made it. All of them made it. But people at, back at home, like Rand and Perrin, were kind of worried that she wouldn't make it. 
And it seemed to me that's a valid worry. It seemed like a pretty treacherous run that you're right. I mean, she she followed the rules. She she relaxed and she was, you know, able to to gently guide her course to shore. But she was still a wreck. I mean, she was still like coughing up water and not looking great at the end there. But here's why everyone back home, they are fearful, but everyone in the women's circle is calm. They have been through that chaos. People in town have only seen the chaos. They are afraid of the chaos, and that's why they live in the mountains. Okay. I mean, I don't know. That's valid. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. I was, sometimes I'm not sure if you get ready to make a joke and there's going to be a punchline, but I was like, that sounded completely valid. I like that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm being sincere right now. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> Keep it up being sincere? No. Okay, sorry. Here's your chance to stop. Um, we got Rand and Tam. We're going to see our two guys here. They're bringing barrels for Beltine from their, their home up on the hills. Mary Beltine. Mary Beltan to you. Uh, Rand is quick with a bow. Uh, they're looking out for wolves because they're talking about how there's more wolves than normal around. Um, talking Howard about Kramer how Kramer must be in town. Talking about what? Howard Kramer must be in town. <laughs> the wolves have been summoned. Yeah. And Rand used to uh, pick berries for Egwene, talking about what a sappy used to be. We've got some nice Dave Matthews jam band music to lead us into town here. And we see our chill village. It's like any kind of like fantasy chill village. And in any episode one, you see everybody's having a great time. Um, it actually is because it becomes chill because I was going to be like, well, it's not like a, a legend of Dragoon popped up. And I was like, wait, no, that immediately gets burned down. And I was like, wait, no. Yeah, then it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then so I was we, like, well, the summoner, wait, no, that gets, no, yeah, that gets burned down too. <laughs> so all the women that were from the women's circle, we see them in there again. They're taking some shots, having a great time. Uh, we see our boy, Matt, he's gambling and losing. Seems pretty desperate. Here, I'm, um, Perrin is talking about soldiers and mercenaries heading south to war from Gelden. And, you know, it, it did reek of... Um, you know, plot to come, but I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. I love the scene anyway. Matt's eyeball and Dana and her bracelet, and he knows that there's something awry over there. And Egwene comes in and gets a huge round of applause. She made it. She's not dead, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And she has to start serving drinks. I think that's pretty wild. How after her whole journey here, she's just back to being a barkeep again, living in that chaos. And okay. Now that I have seen this season and I know – guys, this is a recap of – this is a rewatch. So I'm going to be spoiling things because I never noticed this in the first viewing. I, I was like, oh, this just came out of nowhere later on. Perrin having feelings for Egwene are so – here in this first episode not just him doing long looks and then being like oh oh yeah i guess i'll go uh hang out with my wife when he goes to hang out with his wife there are like she's oh why didn't you come to the the, Egwene coming back party right she's like she's like tepid about it isn't talking and when he like hugs her she kind of like recoils and he says like i love you and she says i know it like it's it's so good it is and i think you're right i think that is why his wife chose not to come to the Egwene party because she's like i don't want to be there and watch 
everybody love Egwene. I know Perrin has these backwards feelings for her, perhaps. And you're right. When she walks in the door, Egwene walks in the door of that inn after her, you know, river village. Rand and Perrin are both like equally like psyched to see her. Both of them are like really happy to see her and paying attention to her every move. Actually, they're both like staring at her all night. Rand more so than Perrin. But um, as they're serving drinks, he's eyeballing her the whole time and Perrin's right there beside him. And yeah, darkness falls on the end. And this is where we get our boy Lan making a really sketchy entrance. This is not the oh, way yeah. to make an entrance. <laughs> the way he should be entering this room is how he enters a room later on. The bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. But he comes in here looking like looking like a dark friend. I got to say it. He looks like a dark friend when he walks in. And like, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's not how I would ever enter a room. But he introdu- he comes in to introduce Moraine Sedai to the group. So everybody knows it's an I Sedai. And this is like a really big deal. I don't know if it's if they um, I mean, after watching it multiple times, it's apparent they do make it a big deal. But I think upon first watch, you might be like, what's the big deal with this woman? I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly why, because she's like a walking legend, basically. Like everybody has always heard of Aes Sedai in this town, but they don't really know any Aes Sedai. They only know rumors about them. So it's a really big deal that one walks into their village. It and- would be like if you were hanging out in a bar and Dolly Parton showed up. Yeah, that's exactly right. Her handlers would come in first. They'd make like a big announcement and then Dolly would come on in. How do y'all, what are y'all sitting around for? Oh my (laughs) God, why is she here? I guess maybe the war. It must be the war. That's what's the assumption. That's everybody's assumption is she's there because of the war. That's exactly right. Um, somebody tells us, I think it's Rand says that one eye Sedai can turn an entire battle, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. So that's another reason to, for everybody to be kind of trepidatious around her. Um, yeah, this is the point that Nynaeve sends Perrin off to go hang out with his wife. And you've already described that whole scene to us. Uh, so we don't need to go into that again. We do meet Matt's mom though, pretty soon here. And she's drunk like everybody else is. Everybody's drunk, except for she definitely has a, a weird streak in her. Like when Matt goes and puts her to bed and she calls him a bastard for doing so. And eh, she, she's not a fun mom. She's not a fun drunk mom. Yeah. We discussed her at length in our first episode. Yeah, we did. Um, Holy Christmas. D- is Matt's dad stilled? What do you mean? Like, was he a magic guy that got stilled? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Okay, because that would have been like, oh, you're a bastard and you're going to end up like your father if that because we see possibly he might have magic inklings. Mm-hmm. It could just be that cursed dagger. We don't know, but uh it would be nice to uh, like when she says like you are going to end up like or maybe like if you keep following this path and he actually will because he stole that cursed dagger, mm-hmm. but I would there's nothing that I can like pull except like maybe he was stilled and like this could happen to Matt as well. Yeah. I think this is just average people troubles. Like his mom's just kind of drunk and kind of nutty. And so her dad kind of distanced himself from her and seeks company of other nicer people, I suppose. And the little girls are suffering and Matt's role is to be 
there for his little sisters, which he mm-hmm. is. I like how he invites them over. He's like, <laughs> girls, come sleep with me tonight. And you think he's going to take them over to like his pad, but he just takes them over to the to his bed, which is like the bed next to his mom's bed. Mm-hmm. So they're six feet more away from the crazy woman, which I guess is better than nothing. Uh, back at the inn, uh, they're closing up for the night, doing some dishes, and they're they're again talking about that war. And they leave Rand and Egwene alone to do some dishes, and they talk, they make out, and Rand clearly is super in love with her. He's super into her, mm-hmm. big time, and. She likes him okay, <laughs> but it's clear that he likes her more than she likes him, I think. I don't, I think they like each other equally, but like you can love someone as much as someone else loves you, but if your priorities in life mm. or your aspirations in life are different, you just have to split apart. And I think that's what's happening with them. Yeah, good call. That's exactly right. I don't want to say that she doesn't like him as much as he likes her, but that's all he's into is her. He doesn't have like a, a side passion like she does. Yeah, like he, his he's fine living in these mountains with her. That's we know that's what he wants. We see that later on uh when the dark one says like I'm going to make you feel good. And then <laughs> he, that this is it's her on this mountain top with a child and he's like this is my dream, but I know this isn't her dream. Right. So this can't be reality. That's I'm right. breaking out of here. Yep, exactly. So we leave them for now. They're they're making out at the moment. And we go over to Moraine and Land. This is their, their naked time. They're having their mineral bath salts and they're hanging in the jacuzzi. Which now, when I first saw this, I was like, ooh, baby, sexual tension. But now that I know this dude is totally into every other woman besides <laughs> her. And she is into Every woman, which is not him, uh, like there's like, no, they are colleagues, zero sexual tension. Right. And I, I really like this. I do, too. Um, they're really chill around each other and obviously platonic. A little too chill is what he says. That's right. Needs some magic to make this water a little more warm. And uh, he peepees in it. <laughs> he says, I can help, guys. <laughs> right on so yeah right after this they're talking about um you know who the who the dragon could be and we get like a real interesting shot of Egwene right after that scene and she's just kind of looking creepily at a candle and this is the first instance that we see her listening to the wind um I didn't catch that until this rewatch. I just thought it was like just a transitional scene, just like they were talking about the dragon. They cut to Egwene. Egwene looks mysterious. But no, what she's doing here is she's listening to the wind and she can hear that mysterious skeleton rider, that fade, coming into town. She senses that that guy as he's coming into town here. Did you pick up on that? I did not. Yeah. So she's already doing her thing she's supposed to be doing. Good job, Egwene. This fade rides into town. You hear this, like, some creepy, like, scary fade music. And that music 
fades out into some happy music that this fellow is whistling. This guy is Padang Thane, whistling along his little cart. Same song, just a little different tone, that's all. Kids oh, love this how, guy. Kid, this guy is cool. Hey, well, just take this from a minor key into a major key. No, that's <laughs> foreshadowing, guys. <laughs> but the kids love him right now. They're like all happily. He's a... Uh, Matt runs up to him to do some business with him because it turns out that Matt uh, snaked that bracelet off of Dana. And now he's trying to sell it to Padane Thane, who's only given him a couple lanterns for it. Not a really good deal. But I don't know. That's this guy's deal. He knows that it's stolen. He knows that Matt is in a desperate spot and that he can't sell that bracelet here in this town. So he just takes advantage of the situation, I guess. Yeah. Um, they kind of both get a little something from this, but not what either one of them want. No, I think, I don't know. I think Padane Fane is probably pretty happy with this exchange because he got a lot more than Matt did. Oh, yeah. He'll be able to sell that for the three marks and, or wait, the lanterns probably were also three marks if that's how much a, a single coin is. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I didn't really catch the uh, the trade exchange here. I mean, yeah, how many, what's how the many conversion big- rate, guys? Let us know. <laughs> Moraine is back. She's here in the morning, walking through town. Obviously the main character. Everybody is catching eyes with her as she walks through town here. Uh, Egwene goes to find Ran to talk. And we hear Ran's dreams of being a husband and doesn't have the highest aspirations. And Egwene wants to be a wisdom. And Ran's not thrilled about any of this. He's never acting thrilled, but he is okay with it he leaves this scene this mountaintop hill scene where they're like in the daytime talking about it he leaves this scene kind of okay with the whole arrangement not happy but okay i could be a wisdom how how, what do you mean you yeah no husband no kids i'm fine with that (laughs) well you got to be a woman you got to be in the women's circle would they would they accept you in the women's circle james probably not I mean, what? in school, I was accepted into women's circles. That's that's a start. So what if, like, in school, like, one of those girls, like, pushed you off a cliff and into the river? Do you think you would have survived that chasm, that, um, that swim? Do, do I have a, do I have to plug my own nose or do I have a nose clamp already? No, no, you're not prepared with, you have to plug your own nose. All right, well, good thing I'm not one of those nerds that needs to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just no reason I ask that. Uh, Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I'm a good swimmer. I was in swim class. I mean, swim team, reluctantly. Well, you're on the path. You're on the path there. I mean, the only thing you got to get past is that the women's circle accepting you. That's like the main thing. And if that happens, you could be in. I don't know. Can Nicole be in the women's circle with alopecia? Do they discriminate? Yeah. No. Why would they? You, you saw... need a braid. Oh, shit. Well, they, they come on. They would make Magical exceptions. Magical braid. They would make exceptions for that. I mean. When uh, Meringue is doing her magic, it braids up. So just uh, make a magic braid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a requirement. I mean, if you cannot grow hair, then they cannot like say you can't be in here because you need a a braid. All the braid is is just a visual representation. It's not like the real deal. 
You'd probably get like a chill ass hemp necklace that's braided. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or maybe, maybe one of the women would like do like a, um, what do you call it? Locks of love. They would like grow their hair long, cut it off and help See, her out that way. I've been trying to convince Nicole to let me give her a locks for love. And she thinks it's creepy. Huh? No. I want to grow out my hair and then cut it. Yeah. And then be like, hey, here's a wig I made of my own hair. <laughs> well, I don't know about a homemade wig, but if you well, got no. one professionally done, I think I think that's great. I think it'd be awesome. But, I mean, if she's creeped out by it, she's the one who's got to wear it. So, I mean. I will say every podcast I bring this up, the person I'm talking to goes, oh, that's, yeah, that's so sweet. I have... I say it knowing it's creepy, I mean, for some weird reason, no one else thinks it's creepy. I'm like, it's I not. am on Nicole's side. It would be funny, and that's why I want to do it, and her to be, like, in my own hair. But, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Well, why Why does Locks Up not lock? I shouldn't use Locks of Love as my example, because that's the bad one. But there's other organizations that are like that. That are more reputable. Why is that such a bad thing? It's like it's like a normal, regular, everyday thing. Because it's my like if we were to stand together, <laughs> we would have the same exact haircut. <laughs> Maybe you'll be going gray in a few years. I think now is the time to do it before you start going gray. No, my dad started going gray. Uh, speaking of which, I need a father figure, Steve. You're in the running. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my dad started going gray maybe like 52, so I have like 21 years. You're right. I have a gray beard. That's why I consider myself gray, but all the hair on top of my head is not gray at all. So, yeah, you think, I think you're right. You got plenty of time to talk Nicole into this. Honey, you're not fooling anyone. <laughs> we know the dye jobs there. <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to go back to the show here. Okay. The, bo- right. the boys are having breakfast, um, having some boy talk. And yeah, this is the scene where they give Matt the money, where they try to give Matt some money and Matt at first gallantly turns it down and then they insist and then Matt takes it. So that's what you're supposed to do in these situations. Now Matt has money and the lanterns because that money was supposed to be by the lanterns, but he snaked his own boys. Uh, The girls are all listening to the wind again. This is where Nynaeve is telling Egwene about listening to the wind and it does not sound good at all. <laughs> and we'll just see that as a, uh, what do you call that? A uh, foreshadowing. A foreshadowing. Thank you, sir. I believe I said a joke on the same exact scene, but I have a new one. I hope it's new. Uh, it, when Nynaeve says, Egwene, listen to the wind. Do you hear that? It goes, and then she just goes, and then, and then Egwene has to be like, come on, man. Don't just toot around me. And she's like, it wasn't a two. <laughs> I think if they had added that scene, all these people with their negative reviews would be like chuckling like, oh, this is kind of like South Park. <laughs> Except then they're like, but no, it was a queef. You get that out of here. <laughs> uh, let's see. While they're doing that, Lan is out there and he finds this group of 13 slaughtered sheep laid out in a yin yang symbol in the middle of the woods there. Also a foreshadowing of some bad times to come. Uh, Darkness is falling as Ran and Tam return back home and they're doing their own little bell time celebration 
up at their house. They didn't stay yeah. down at the village. They're doing their own little one-on-one, lighting the candle for their mom. And we get a great speech from Michael and Becca Hatton about the Wheel of Time here. And this show is very heavily into reincarnation. Um, obviously makes sense. We just talked about the dragon, how the dragon is reborn, reincarnation thing. Uh, yeah, and even during this whole ceremony, it's... Everybody in town is into this ceremony. It's like this is the one thing everybody is on board with. And even Matt and his mom are having a nice moment here. Even Nynaeve cares about this and she's shedding some tears. Like this is like, you know, this is the big unifier of the town here. Mm-hmm. It's Belltine. Happy Belltine to you, James. Back at you, sir. <laughs> Mary Belltine. Mary Belltine, exactly. Uh, oh, Moraine oh, oh. and Egwene share some eyes here for some reason or another. And Egwene's mom, that's Egwene's mom who has a little speech like, hey, the dead got to hear us party. Wee. So that's when everybody starts having a good time and dancing. Even Padane Fane is dancing over there, having a good time, smiling big. Everybody's liking this time. Contemplating. I. I think at this point he's not contemplating. He's just chilling. Like li- yeah, he's he, he's liking life today. He knows what's going to happen, obviously, yeah. but he's liking it right now. He's contemplating how he's going to spend this fat ass cash he just earned. Hell yeah! He's got this nice little bracelet from Dana. He can like he can wear on his way out. Wave bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best score of this whole thing. Is that bracelet? He loves it. Uh, let's see. Lan and Moraine know that an attack is about to happen. Uh, this loose dancing they're doing like, yeah, at the beginning, I think the last time we watched this, I complained about the square dancing and how like goofy it was, like their little turn clap dance they were doing. But first they were dancing like loose. Like you saw like Matt dancing with his two sisters, just kind of boogie and chilling. Everybody's just kind of doing their thing. Then they start this weird square dancing. That's when the Trollocs attacked. So I kind of think that they don't like this square dance situation. Like, well, yeah, it's it's a circle dance. I think it's yeah. a more wheel symbolism, and of that's course. what they hate. They do hate the wheel. Absolutely, they hate it. But I think it's the dancing they hated too. They wanted to see more of the boogie, and they wanted to see more little kids just kind of going loose. You know, how do you dance? Do you dance, James? Yeah, when I'm at weddings, I do. Yeah, so like, is it slow only, or do you boogie? I, uh, I, I wish it could be slow only. It'll be a fast-paced song, and I'll pull Nicole in. It, Nicole, if we're at a wedding, it will be tipsy, so it is funny that during a like hyper-fast song, it could be like the theme song to the Powerpuff Girls, just that break beat that everyone uses. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be just dancing slow and she's like why are you doing this but no i just go crazy okay i do not i'm a more reserved person and it took me a long time to get comfortable dancing um i wasn't raised in a dancing culture i suppose maybe that's why i wasn't i don't think i was either i don't think i was really exposed to like any like i think like prom or something like that was the first time i was in that situation like it just wasn't a thing that i was around like weddings i didn't go to a lot of weddings i guess oh i did but i was always outside catching grasshoppers <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do when you're a kid heck yeah none of that dancing crap anyway i i digress uh the trollocs attack here and this is no good um 
this is the shaky can scene, shaky cam scene that the guy was talking about, which actually is my favorite scene from this whole show is this scene where you have the, the, the single track of Matt doing the run, tripping over the trolley, going over the fire, knocking crap over. I love this one shot scene. And I yeah. think if I didn't like this show at all, like if I thought this show sucked and everybody sucked, I would still recognize that scene as a superior scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my favorite thing about this. This whole thing was that one shot of Matt running. And I, I will say on like bad CG, there is like it's just hard to do, which is when you have all of these, you have no real light source, but you're trying mm-hmm. to CG in channeling light from all it's going to be more and more difficult especially for television to do so you you can't uh, uh criticize them for that like they they did fantastic for what they did so faces are hard to cg so like some of the like shavened like what i mm-hmm. want to do uh, maybe <laughs> no you want to know i guess i got to keep them uh furry so then it looks better yeah. but faces are hard to do and even though they're like pigmen they still have human like faces so you can't criticize that either yeah i'm not criticizing it i do think that if i changed anything about this show i would have this whole attack happen during the daytime as oh, opposed yeah. to nighttime um i mean i know why they did it at night it makes sense you got the fire um you can see the magic but i don't know i would have done a daytime shot instead personally also if meringue has to like if she's pulling actual light sources you Mm -hmm. see like oh it's from the 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 bonfires and all of that if it was during the daytime she you know like Birdman would have a bunch to go off from and she's Mm -hmm. unbeatable but this raises the stakes that wow i have to fend off this small army with not a lot and that's it would have also been hey their their main town square bar thing isn't half destroyed <laughs> yeah it's more than half destroyed eventually but first let's see ran ran and his dad did a little personal attack up there up in their their house up in the hills just one guy they get one guy uh this one guy's named narg we know this as book readers uh, his dad turns out to be a pretty great fighter, and he also has a pretty badass sword that's got the little heron mark on it, which is the signifier in this world that this is a blade master. The person who owns this blade is a master at it, which is a surprise to us and a surprise to Ran. Ran didn't mm-hmm. know this about his dad. Nicole, this is the first time she was watching, she was eating, and she goes, oh, this is a scene to like show oh wait he's actually good at using swords i was like yeah and like she just like sat down and saw that <laughs> so she would her her review would be like predictable i knew it <laughs> uh, that's my review for the boys <laughs> right because i'd sit down and be like oh yeah that character is probably gonna die in like the following scene and nicole's like no why would no that's like a main character and then the next scene they die and she's like <laughs> crying and i was like see i told you and she's like no why why did you say that <laughs> it's your fault it happened i guess the showrunners <laughs> heard you through the tv set somehow yeah, so so his dad's a good fighter, of course. He's he's a trained fighter, but Rand's pretty good too. Like when his dad is at, he's getting ready to lose. Basically, Rand comes through, helps out dad, but his his dad ain't looking good. Uh, back down in the village, we 
you know, we get some more shots of some fighting happening down there. Nynaeve and Egwene are also some pretty good fighters. Is This is something they've never had to deal with in their lives. And the whole town is pretty good at backing off these big fellas. Um, finally, <laughs> Moraine and Land show up. I was kind of hoping they'd be there much sooner than this, but they show up eventually doing her slow motion magic and townsfolk join in. Everybody fights. They're yeah, no joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But, but here, uh, we get Matt. He goes to rescue his girls, which you know, shows us more of Matt, Matt's character. Mm -hmm. At first I was like, why would you go get them? They're fine. They're hiding. But then I was like, oh, well he wants to get them to make sure that they're fine and make sure that they're hiding. Whereas the mom was just like, we don't know where they are. Yeah. She could care less. Like (laughs) I'm glad somebody cares. Thank you. Two less mouths to feed, which means two more (laughs) beers in me. That's right. There is a scene where the town folk are circling a trollop and they're like, trollops die tonight. (laughs) They do. Uh, Let's see. Oh, somebody else dies tonight. Perrin is fighting some folks in his blacksmith uh, little fighting hideaway. And yeah, he has a Wolverine rage and he turns around and accidentally kills his beloved Layla. It's pretty messy. Excuse in quotes, me? accidental. <laughs> his, his eyes, I could tell it was yeah. an accident. He did not like this. And he it was messy, too. It was unnecessarily messy. Like, uh, oh, that's, that's a CG thing that just in general that I don't like. When he's stabbing into the trollop right before that, there's oh, CG blood yes. and all that shit always sucks. The only way to do it any bit good is when it's both like it's practical and you enhance the practical with a little bit of CG. But other than that, it always sucks. I agree. I noticed the same thing, too. I couldn't help but notice the CGI blood splashing. But I don't know. We're supposed to be focused on the fact that he accidentally killed his wife and he feels awful about it so as he should as he should hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, naive naive is dragged off by her braid by a trollic she's kicking Ah. and screaming we don't like that we don't see her again the rest of the episode she might be dead i don't know Um, She says, ninja spin, and then in the background, (laughs) just like slicing and dicing, explosions of sparks happening, and we're like, what's going on? (laughs) Okay, well, actually, uh, Moraine takes a spear. She, like, takes a full-on spear through her whole body. By edge. Which shows you, like, how pretty badass she is. She can pull that thing out, and she's not exactly, like, all good. But she can live through this and she can at that point. Well, at that point is when they realize there's too many trollops trollops. I need to go with your phrasing here to beat. So she has to summon up more power than she initially wanted to. And she has to break down the whole village in order to take down these trollops. Break the walls down. And she does. I mean, she's successful, but. At what cost, James? At what cost? This beautiful town is dead now. Um, But a baby's got to do what a baby's got to do. You want these trollops dead, that's how you got to do it. Speaking of which, in the morning, the subtitles say infant crying, and I'm like, yeah, 
baby, shut up. People are dead. Your dirty diaper can wait. No joke. There's worse stuff happening here. Uh, but first, like, did you see, you had to have seen how Lan protects Moraine with his body when that whole big dust thing comes through. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was effective or not, but it was a nice gesture. Yeah. So no dirt gets in her cut. <laughs> yes. Hey, let's take one more quick break before we come back, all right? All right. Let's take a break before we come back. That made a lot of sense. And we're back listening to some more catastrophic about Marshland Monster there. But we're wrapping up our recap of Wheel of Time episode one. Uh, we just finished the big trollop battle and the boys came back into town. The boys being Rand, he brought his dad back on the back of Bella, the shaggy brown mare. And I got to bring up this horse because I never talked about uh, her before. But this horse Bella that we see Rand with is just as important of a player as a character as any of our main characters in this series. Like some of the most important things that happen in the series happen while Bella, this horse is around or while, you know, X character is riding this particular horse. Mm. So it's become kind of like a legend in Wheel of Time lore that this horse Bella is like, you know, oversees everything that happens. So I'll stick with that. Oh my God. Was Bella born 20 years ago? Oh shit. (laughs) Probably so. (laughs) (laughs) I have one more note and this is in retrospect. Okay. I, Rand's dad is alive. Yeah, barely. (laughs) I thought he was dead this entire time. I thought like, oh yeah, Rand's dad dies and he has to like carry on his legacy with this sword. No, he's Mm -mm. alive. Barely alive. If he didn't make it to Moraine at this moment, uh, his dad would not be alive. He would have died within a couple hours um, because this trollop poison uh, spreads very quickly. But yeah, he comes down there to get help. Uh, he goes to Nynaeve for help. Of course, Nynaeve is not there. She's gone. But Egwene oh. jumps in really quickly. She wants to help. Uh, Matt saved the girls, takes the girls back to mom and dad, but nobody thanks Matt for that. It's almost like he's in trouble for helping them. <laughs> this probably like has a lot to do with his character, I suppose. Uh, Perrin emerges with the corpse of Layla. Nobody likes that. Uh, Moraine does heal Tam, but you can tell that it hurts her. Because remember, she got speared by that trollop spear in that battle. Edge. And she can't, <laughs> yeah, and she can't heal herself. She needs somebody else to heal her. So she barely has any strength right now. But what little strength she does have, she's using it to heal others like Tam, who needs her help. Um, Rand starts getting a little heavy handed with Moraine here. Moraine shuts him down pretty quickly telling him the story of the Dragon Reborn, that it's one of you four, uh, including uh, Egwene in that. And she tells them that more trollops are up there on the mountain. You see them up there on the mountain? See those lights? That's them. So we better get the hell out of here before they show up. There's like a Spider-Man kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you stay here, then that's where they'll come. So if you want your friends to live, you got to get out of here. So Moraine takes them all away to go to the White Tower. 
That's where our hero's journey is supposed to take them to the White Tower. And at this point, she leads our four away. And the Wheel of Time turns and ages come to pass. And this is the end of our episode, James. Woo! So, I don't know. Any, any, I was going to ask you for reviews at this point, but we already had our reviews and they were all wrong. What's your review of this show, James? It's good, guys. I think it's uh, not better the second time around. It's a better second time around. <laughs> it's just maybe like actually it is because I'm seeing these things that I thought were like, oh, they shoehorned that in. But in later episodes, but no, it's it's always been present. Yeah, I, th- I think it is um, – you would be at an advantage to have read at least the first book to have watched this show or to have watched the show before you watched the show. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, knowing things um, ahead of time is really helpful with this one. I don't think it's necessary, though. You you had a good review of it the first time you watched it, and you had never known anything about this world. So I take that highly. I don't know. Hell, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, James, uh, we'll come back next week with episode two. But yeah, for this week, for Intro Void, I'm going to plug a compilation album I was part of. It's called Return to the Underground, put out by Last Action. And it is a three-part album with over 1,000 underground performers. And Intro Void is one of them. I think I'm number 571. So check that album out on Bandcamp. I have the... uh, Notes for it right there. And how about you, James? What's going on with you? Hey, guys, listen to my newest single. I mean, you've heard it, but stream it wherever music is found. I have some new Dragon Boy suede stuff that has been put out. Maybe Steve has played those on 1899 episodes. I'm not sure. But if he did, thank you. I did. And thank you. And uh, I got a new album coming out of remixes. Like it's more so uh, my production it is the Horror Crunk Entertainment Remix album. I took this album uh, or this record label that I'm now on, Horror Crunk Entertainment. I took tracks from the other people. I remixed them with my own production, made them sound purdy, and it's it's sounding good. That's out February 10th. And listen to my other podcast, MLMPod.com is where you can find out information for that. And Patreon.com forward slash MLMPod. $5 a month gets you exclusive content every Friday, and $10 a month gets you shoutouts on our shows as well as monthly exclusive content. Heck yeah. Thank you for joining me again, James. Back at you. I will see you, I guess, next week. Next Monday, we'll do episode two. And until then, may you always find water and shade. Ahoy! Uh, Close. Bye, James. Oh.
Cause embedded up the tragedy you read inside the chemicals embedded in the soul I'm tragedy you read inside the scrolls Chemicals embedded in the soul Chemicals embedded up the tragedy you read inside the chemicals embedded in the soul I'm tragedy you read inside the scrolls Chemicals embedded in the soul Chemicals embedded up the tragedy you read inside the